Welcome to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. And I'm Chris Heine. Today we're speaking with Rory Phillips. I'm really excited to have him on the podcast today because he's got kind of an interdisciplinary background. Um, He's come from many different past lives and currently works on a a wide variety of different types of things, including uh, being an academic as well as a practicing artist. So Rory, I was wondering if you could introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do. Um, hi, I'm Rory, as uh, Lindsay just introduced. Um, I, I'm a art director, designer, illustrator, uh, printmaker. Um, I, like, I do teach at uh, Portland State University as well um, in, those, those, well, in, in design and illustration. Um, I don't know, I do a lot of different things. That's, it's kind of tough to put one thing on it because I kind of feel like I'm a, a good problem solver. And um, I think design illustration is like 90% problem solving. But um, I'm asked to do a lot of different things. Uh, you know, I've worked on animation and uh, you know uh, video uh, work, and, and but also like print design and done board games and just about everything. Um, lots of lots of fun stuff, I suppose. That's awesome, and so I I'm glad that we talked about kind of the variety of things because I feel like that's something too that here at Light Gray we try and kind of infuse the shows with a little bit of a different uh, purpose for each one. So uh, before all this, uh, what what kind of led you up to sort of this diverse creative lifestyle? Uh, were you always interested in the arts and, and design and, and types of things like that, or did it start somewhere else? Uh, no, I, I always was, but it was a thing that, like, where I grew up, I'm from, I'm from Belfast originally, and um, where I grew up, I, did, I don't think that, like, as a vocation, that uh, the creative arts was something that was on my radar or anyone else's, you know, like, the goal was to get either out of Belfast or, like, a, a good factory job or something like that, um, and uh, and so the idea of being able to do something like draw and uh, make things for a living it was was just alien to me uh, but I was doing stuff I realized now in, in hindsight that I was designing when I was like eight years old I, I, I remember I, my friends and I we started a gang and um, we were going to call ourselves <laughs> the tanks and uh, I could draw tanks really well so that's why we decided on the tanks I drew a logo that was like this tank logo for our gang because I think we saw in a movie what a gang was, and we we're like, yeah, we can do that. We could have T-shirts that have like a logo on it, and um, I just wanted to do the logo. So I mean, the whole gang existed just to indulge my desire to like make a gang logo. I like um, that. Yeah, so I think that's my first design thing, and then I was always the kid in school that could like draw stuff. So like uh, people were like, oh, draw me this, draw me that, and um, and you know, I enjoyed doing that. But you know, it's just sort of like a lot of people had you know sort of things they could do that weren't we felt applicable to the real world you know and um and I was good but I was good in science and math and stuff like that so I got a scholarship to go away to university and uh I was pre-med and I came here to America to uh um actually went to uh boarding school for for two years and then um I got a chance to come to America to go to university and uh was pre-med I was majored in uh history and zoology and uh, but I didn't want to go into medicine, so and I was doing art this whole time. Like I was always doing stuff. I wasn't taking art classes because when you're double majoring and you're pre med, there's just no real electives to take. But I was still doing stuff. I was in a fraternity. I do the invitation. Like all this time, like I think back, I'm like, yeah, I would just I do T-shirts for my fraternity. I do like all the invitations for pot for keggers and things. I'd spend a lot of time on it too. They would be like really fancy and. Uh, I thought awesome now looking back I couldn't have better but um, but even when I you know so like I've always, I've always kind of been doing it I just didn't know until late in life that I could do it as a vocation so know? why did you think it took you that long to figure out uh, that you wanted to move entirely or mostly into art and design um, I think that one of the things was I felt like I was given a, a really great opportunity to uh, go to university to get an education and I think that I didn't value, I, I thought that I deserved to like, uh, you know, attain the highest levels, to, to, to be a doctor or something like that, as if that was, um, you know, I, I could justify like um, w- this opportunity that I've been given, you know, and, uh, and I also, I still, even in college, I didn't even, 
I'd never had a vocational counselor. I didn't have like what you call a guidance counselor or anything like that, you know? Um, so I, it wasn't something that I think even when I was in university, I didn't even know about. And uh, after university, I went into the military and, uh, you know, again, I was still designing and, and drawing and things, but, uh, you know, then I had a different, uh, you know, set of skills that I was trying to cultivate. And, um, and it wasn't until I got out and actually after a while, I was, I goofed around a lot. Always, I was doing like fine art because I kind of was like, oh, fine art, I, I can do that on the side. And it's not a job, but it's like a hobby. It's an avocation, you know? And, um, and then I, uh, I had money from the military to go back to school and I was like, you know, I'm just going to do this thing, you know, that I love at this point. I've done a lot of different things and I'm going to just try and make this thing that I did as a hobby be this thing that I could do for real. And I was like, I'm probably not going to, it's probably not going to be any money in it or anything like that, but I should just do it because you should do what you love in life. And um, when you started that, I mean, was it a kind of an eye-opening final, like, you know, not really quit cold turkey, the other things that you were doing, but was there a major shift at that point where you decided, you know, so much of my time at now that I am doing things in design and doing things in the arts, uh, when you went back to school, did you decide at that point you're going to go all in to design? Yeah. yeah, I did. I quit. I was bartending and working in, um, when I worked in London, uh, I was living in London before I came back. Uh, my wife and I, we came back to the States and that's when I decided, you know, it was this weird shift where we had, we had left like one place and we're coming back to another place and it just felt like a good time to break. At that time I was working in fine dining, I was working at a two Michelin star restaurant in London and like, um, it's a different world, you know, and I was, I was working really hard there and then and then when I had free time, I was, I was working on a thing that I really loved, which was art. And, um, and we, when we came back to the States, I was like, you know, I'm just going to, I'm not going to even look for a job in, um, in this because the, the, anyone who's done, I think like service, you know, uh, dining or, or restaurant work, um, it, there can be, it can be a kind of a seductive lifestyle too, but it becomes a lifestyle where, you know, you're always out and you're like in this, uh, this sort of, I mean, it's just like in, in the design world too, you know, um, you know, you're out doing designy things and maybe going to like lectures and things like that. It's, it's, it's a different one where you're probably going out drinking more, but, um, I decided I'm not going to get into that here when I, when I came back and I was just going to, that's all I was going to do was just, uh, and my wife, she was like super supportive of it. And, uh, and you know, cause she knew that, that uh, this is what I should be doing, but it was hard. It's hard to leave something that I was really, I was really good at, uh, um, at being uh, a fine dining waiter, and I was at a high level for that, um, and it was really hard to walk away from that. There was a, I made a lot of money doing that, you know, and you, it was a lifestyle that I loved. Well, it's and, interesting um, because yeah. I feel like, I mean, just in in the short time that we've been talking on the podcast too, I mean, it sounds like you've made some major transitions. I mean, from moving to different places to, you know, starting and then um, finishing your career in the military to, you know, going to fine dining and, you know, being back in London to coming back. And I mean, every single one of these things is like a major change, like a major life change, I think, for for anybody. Um, And the fact that you've gone through so many of those, I think, is really interesting. I mean, what does that do uh, for kind of your perspective then? I mean, does it make you sort of see sort of the time that you're spending as this really important, you know, limited or, or resource that you shouldn't, um, you know, squander on different things? Or do you kind of just jump in at this point when you see something that you're interested in? I think um, it's weird that you say that, like I've made this huge, because I never really realized it until you just said that, that I have, I've been sort of a junkie on like major transitions in my life. Um, uh, but I think that's completely fair to say. And uh, I think one of the things is that I was never felt like I was doing what I should be doing. And, really? Um, yeah, I, I kind of like, I, I always kind of loved what I was doing. Um, I'm like that type of person that I can kind of generally like, whatever I'm doing, I can make the best of it, you know? Um, the, uh, I believe it, the Arabs have a saying that, you know, carve the good things uh, that happen to you in stone and, and write the bad things in the sand. 
and, and like the the idea that I kind of like even the times when I was like you hated it there was like oh but I only remember the good things you know like I think maybe that's just my mentality but um, it, while I, so anyway lo, while I, I did love doing these things it never felt like the right thing I never felt like I was living in the right place I never felt like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing even when while I was enjoying it and until now really and the, the longest place I've ever lived in my life is Portland and uh, where I live now and the longest I've ever kind of done one thing in my life is, um, is design and, and illustration. And, uh, and I kind of feel like I'm finally doing what I sh- always was supposed to do. But I don't think I could have ever done that without the journey that took me to where I am now. That, that makes, makes sense. sense. Oh, that totally makes sense. I think I was having a conversation with somebody maybe last week or so where I say, oh, yeah, well, you know, when you – this is kind of a different side of things, but – you know, you finally end up with a really great person after you've dated a bunch of people that are kind of okay, you know, or, (laughs) you know, there's good pieces about all these people that you fell in love with or that you're into. But then all of a sudden you're like, you know, this last one, this is a good one or, you know, or something like that. But, um, one thing that's interesting about that too, is like, even in your current career, um, within design and within art, it is still extremely varied. And so in the beginning, you were kind of talking about, you know, animation or video or design, or I know you do printmaking and, you know, all yeah. sorts of different kinds of things. Can you describe some of the diversity of projects that you work on? Like, for example, uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, what kind of things are going on in your life that you're working on or that you're that you're doing kind of on your day to day? Um, well, I would say that, like, one of the reasons, I think I'm attracted to a lot of different things, and I think that's always been the case. And even when I was pre-med and I, I had a scholarship to go to uh, school for that, um, that was just, like, a default thing. You know, I was, like, top in my class in, in math and science, so that my aptitude sort of chose that. But I never had any desire, and it was tough because I was in a class of people who really wanted to be there, and I was there because... I just had some sort of aptitude for it, and that's not the right reason to do anything. Um, and I, and I've always been afraid to choose to do something because it would limit my choices. You know, it's sort of I, I'm interested in a lot of different things, it, not just within design or within, but within you know globally. I'm into uh, uh, I'm just into a lot of different. I'm interested in a lot of people's other interests. I tell people I have a fetish for other people's fetishes. Like <laughs> I'm not. I kind of like when I find these subcultures that uh, I don't want to join them. I just I just want to observe them, like you know, a sociologist or something would maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But I find it really fascinating, like what other people are into, and just um, I, I like just absorb. You know, I listen to podcasts and the BBC World Service all day long while I'm working, and um, I just as much int- that just really interests me. As far so, I think that just translates into design as well. You know, I one of the things I hate. Um, kind of about design and illustration is it's how people want to pigeonhole you into one or the other mm-hmm. and um, or even within design like that's a person who that person does um, you know uh, hand done type and, and as if that's something that you know that, that we can only specialize in one thing or we can only have one interest I think that comes from my like 140 character um, pigeonholed like digital world that we live in you know a bit, but uh, I, to me, design, illustration, and art—it's just one long continuum, and you should be kind of free to uh, to glide along that and have different interests. Um, so, when you yeah. teach, I mean, I know that uh, there's sort of a uh, kind of a current of two different mindsets that happen in the academic world, where uh, particularly with illustration and design, you'll hear some instructors say, well, you need to own your style. You need to develop a style. You need to do this one thing so that you can kind of gain credibility in, you know, that one facet. And then there's the other side, uh, where people sort of try all these different things and, and apply a certain combination of the things that they've picked up to answer a very specific problem. And sometimes it's so drastically different between, project to project and so they they are more of a um you know not necessarily a chameleon but more of like a a person that can just apply whatever is the essential things about that project and so when you teach how do you how do you teach do you teach one way or the other or do you do you talk about this in your classes i kind of feel like i feel like that's a that's something that we could have like a huge just podcast debating about which is a better thing you know like I I kind of understand why people like you should have a style 
you know and, and it's having been an art director where you like need to know what someone's going to deliver to you I understand the value of um, of saying like you have a style I know what to expect from this person um, especially within the illustration but uh, I, I think that's really limiting and I work in a bunch of different styles and I try a bunch of different things all the time and I think one of the good things when I first got out of school and I was working in a studio where I was asked to do a lot of different things all the time and um, and I was the person that's like yeah I'll just do anything I've never done that before I'll just do it that's how I got into storyboarding and um, but I think the other approach is so I'm, I'm personally a person of the other approach but I think there's people who they just enjoy doing a certain style and they just en- I think it's more about personality and I don't think we should like uh, uh, you know pit, force people to go one way or the other and just let their natural inclinations find them and that's what I kind of do with my students they're like I don't I'll tell you one thing though like I don't I tell them the style really is important for them as students right now. I think they should be exploring. I think as a student, it's the time to really explore. And I think that the too much pressure is put on like finding a style too early and people like stop experimenting. And I think you need to be a lifelong experimenter. Um, and if you look at successful historical illustrators, their style adapted to, you know, you know what's hot today might not be hot tomorrow. And um, if you want to have decades long career I think you need to constantly be experimenting and pushing yourself and 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 developing it your your, your own skill set um, and your own style I think process is more important than style really and so do um, they so for example do your students get to watch uh, real life examples of how you go through this process like do you share what you do with them and kind of show like hey here's how I approach this sort of challenge and here's how I approach this sort of challenge so they see you doing these different things uh, um, in your practice? Or is it more just kind of a, a common thread of a conversation that happens in, in school? I, I'd say that the, the, it's more of a, a... I think everyone's got a different part. So I do share like, my way of attacking a problem and uh, breaking it down with uh, you know, this, this sort of process of iteration. You know, I'm a big fan of sketching and iteration, and, and that's a big part of my process, and both as a designer and as an illustrator. Um, and you know the understanding that my first idea is my worst idea and, and working through that and, and knowing that there's something better on the other side of this process and so I do share a lot of that with them and I try and, and drive that home that um, you know it takes a lot of work and a lot of, you know and this process of iteration is a really important one um, I, I'm not when I, I teach a technical class where we, we're actually in the programs and, and in that I kind of share a little bit of like my process within the programs but um, I, not really like a demo day or anything like that do I do I do show my sketchbooks and, and I walk them through maybe a project or two but more um, like theory the or, or more yeah, like it's probably more about, about theory um, yeah I would say that the at, at Portland State that the, um, the emphasis put a lot on concept and theory and not so much on um, uh, you know the technical aspects of uh, of making um, one of the instructors. So like you know we want to make they say we want to make art directors not you know uh, pixel pushers through the, this program you know and uh, and so I think a lot of it not that there's anything wrong with being a pixel pusher like or anything like that but that sounds a little derogatory when I say that but um, but you know that, that it's more about just I'm competent in these programs but you're thinking about the ideas that make uh, make a project really great not just visually but like it's the concept I, I do push that a lot that concept is 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 almost more important than the final results how aesthetically pleasing it is you know that the concept is is really important the concept's king and that you know you'll get better at rendering or you'll get better at drawing or, or doing the technical stuff but the, the concept I think is a harder thing to teach you know mm-hmm. than the um I think the other stuff comes just with repetition and just you just got to keep doing it but the concept to think on a conceptual level I think is is something that I emphasize and um, and hopefully uh, that they're listening you know because I think that's really important and do you think that um, for example like some of the the past lives that you've had in all these different like areas uh, not only you know spatial areas but also you know just in your your different things that you've done throughout your life so far I mean I'm sure that that perspective that you have after going through all those things really helps you think about how other people perceive your work or you know about how the topics could be pushed conceptually or just kind of like uh what is that phrase where where people say um write what you know 
you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and so they're so kind of like the more that you expose yourself to these different avenues of thought or just like different culture, or different experience, you kind of are able to break out of a single mindset of how to answer that problem or, you know, creative question or something like that. I mean, is that something that you guys ever talk about in class or even in with, you know, your other art and design peers? I, yeah, I do. I think that one of the things that PSU is kind of blessed with is we have a lot of um, uh, continuing uh, like postbacks and people like myself, actually, you know, um, that, that had a degree in something else and, and they came in. So you get like a lot of different perspectives within your class, even, uh, you, you know, uh, like people who are psychology majors, sociology majors or, or things where, you know, uh, when we talk about like it, you know, it's funny that we talk about gestalt principles or things like that visually, and then someone will, you know, you have a, a sociology, a psychology major who like have all this to say about it. Um, you know, uh, I had a uh, psychology student who was talking about um, uh, failure and how we um, we are a, a culture that uh, we only learn lessons from success, and and instead of learning lessons from failure, we we uh, and sometimes we're learning the wrong. This whole failure theory thing, and it got me reading up on it and uh and it's pretty interesting because it, it is the way we look at someone who's successful and we ask how'd they get there and um and you know maybe we take the wrong lessons instead of looking at the people who who didn't attain their goals and seeing like what they did wrong we're trying to look at only what people did right um and it was deeper than that you know it, it, there was an example that uh from this article that i read um this might go on a bit but it was during world war ii they hired all these uh the, the the allies were losing lots of bombers over Germany. You know, they were just getting shot down left and right. And um, they had an idea to armor the planes, but because armor's heavy and planes need to be able to fly with bombs, they could only armor in certain places. So they hired all these uh, mathematicians to uh, to figure out where they were. And the, the, the generals were like, we thought... We looked at all the bombers that came back, and we saw that the tails were all shot up here, and we saw the places that the bombers that came back were shot up. So we thought we'd armor the tails and these different places. The mathematicians were like, "No, you, you need to look at where the bombers that didn't make it back. That's clearly the the plane can survive being shot in the tail. It came back. What we want to look at is the failures, not the successes. Those were the successes, and and we need to focus on failures. And so, like, I think there's a fear of failure. That's a long story." You might want to cut that out. No, but, that's a um, good one. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's like we, 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 I think it's in human nature to, like, look at, at success and celebrate that. But, like, it's through our failures that we get to our successes, you know. So, like, I think there's a fear of failure. There's a fear of trying new things that I try and break my students of. That, like, you've got to fail. You've got to put yourself out there. And you've got to get over the fear of failure. I, I, it's an easy thing to say. I'm constantly afraid of failing. Like every time I sit down to draw something, I feel like I'm not going to be successful, and like, um, and it's really hard. So it's. But the problem is, if you, if you don't put yourself out there, you just go to what you know, and you never grow, you never experiment, and you never try anything new. And I think we really got to uh, get over the idea that, that that failure is somehow bad. You know, I think failure. We can learn more from failure than from success. So do you think it's just that people are are unwilling to try in the beginning because of that fear of failure? Is that yeah, the, what, the main I, thought? I I'm, In the class that I'm teaching this summer, which is, um, we have uh, art students and design students in it, it's, a, it's an illustration course. and, and um, it, it, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to come around and look at your drawings. Like, I want you to sketch out some thumbnails of, like, how to express this idea. And I'm going to come around. And, you know, a lot of people will... I'm like, these are thumbnails. They should be rough. I just do, like, five on the board real quick and show them. And uh, and they're, they're horrible, of course, because I take, like, ten seconds each on them. And then I go around. People are, like, really trying to render these things out, like, really detailed. Because they're afraid of anyone seeing them draw badly, mm-hmm. you know? Or they're afraid... We're afraid of, like showing um uh you know our weaknesses and um or like what and and it holds you back because instead of you thinking of the broader concept or the broader idea i think you're focusing on you know how to draw this eye or how to draw this um you know a dot can be an eye a circle can be an eye don't worry about that you know um and i think i think it's a tough thing last year i did this there's this thing called sketch exchange here in in uh, by we make it's just in Portland and they have illustrators come and, um, and share their sketchbooks and do a little talk and I, I did one last summer and uh, and it was hard it was hard for me to share my sketchbooks because yeah, it is yeah, there's some good stuff in there but there's mostly a lot of stuff you know it's hard I think it's hard for artists 
unless you know you're one of those amazing people like you just every time you put a pencil but even those people uh like feel like their stuff isn't always great you know um it's where you experiment and i think that um you i think the worry i talked to some of my students i'm like they're worried that their sketchbooks will fall into the wrong hands and like someone will laugh at their like sketches you know do you think that comes from a place where you know everything that we see you now is online and it's curated and everything's perfect and people leave the sketches out you know the bad ones out and they only show yeah nobody sees all the work it takes to get to like these beautiful things you see on the internet um which is this is a story i tell my students because they're all worried about they like uh that too and i'm like those people they did a lot of bad stuff before they got to that really great piece you know i i this, so I'm from Ireland and like Ireland's kind of like the poor relations of England and if you go to the uh, the National Gallery in London they've got like all the great pieces you know they've got like sunflowers by like you know Van Gogh and like uh, you know these beautiful sergeants and just every single beautiful piece of, of painting by every single artist that you'd love then you go to like the, the Irish National uh, Gallery and they've got like lesser known works you know and some of them are bad like I saw that it was like a sergeant painting and I couldn't believe it was him because he's one of my favorite painters and it was bad I would say it's really kind of bad <laughs> like um, it, 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 but that, that's the thing it's, we don't celebrate the we only no one's gonna everyone's gonna put Mademoiselle you know X or Madame X in like the gallery or in your art book they don't put the other stuff where he was struggling or the early works or, or, or any of that so we don't see that we only see and we assume that they just sprung full formed like the guy was born it's the Mozart they were writing you know beautiful things at six and no one had to work hard to do that so if I have to work hard then I'm not doing it right or if or if there's mistakes along the way then then I'm not good enough and I think that's that's rubbish I just think we're taking the wrong lessons when we see this this beautiful stuff I wish I wish more people would share like their their rubbish you know but uh, do you feel like that's something that people will eventually start doing or is it just one of those things where we just have to know that it exists like all the bad stuff exists and we just have to not feel intimidated by the fact that people are curating I think it's the second I think people are naturally going to curate and I just think that the digital age it allows you to get your stuff out there it allows you to like for people to see your stuff but I'm not on Facebook but you know I see these perfect manicured lives that you see of people on Facebook or on 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 Instagram or whatever and it's not really about their lives it's about this perception of their lives you know Mm -hmm. and I think that that's too I would love that to change, but I just kind of feel like in our culture right now, it's too ingrained. It's like, it's not about who you are, it's about who you're perceived to be. And I think that as long as that sort of exists and that people are going to, uh, uh, people are going to constantly be curating and only showing their best. And I tell students, don't put crap up there. Like, I tell students not to do that. I'm like, you know, only don't put something up on your portfolio just because it was printed or just because, you know, you got paid for it. It should be good, no matter what you show. It should always be good, you know. Um, so I'm part of the problem, but uh, no, I understand why, though. I mean, I understand why you would say something like that, and I think that's the big, that's the big issue. It's like you don't want people to pretend that the other stuff in the process doesn't exist, but you just want people to be smart about how they, they showcase so that, you know, somebody who's unfamiliar with your work can kind of see the greatest potential of what you're yeah. you're able to I mean and I understand that's a sales technique and that's how a lot of that stuff works you know it's a you know it's funny having this conversation with you because um I deal with that all the time at school um trying to answer the question of whether or not people should show and share their process and so people can see how you think you know versus yeah. just this finished piece and I know that some industries for example um you know, product design industry, which is what I work in during the day, uh, like process and the way that you concept is more important sometimes than drawing a beautiful illustration of a lamp. You know, it's about, you know, how does it work? You know, how did you get there? Like, what are all the other options? And, you know, it's, it's funny because I know in other cases, maybe an editorial, for example, um, your drawing skills can be, beautiful just the same and people don't really want to see what you know how you got there and what the process was between you know the first concept and the final thing your your whole portfolio is just these final beautiful things Mm. because it's got to be what you know what somebody can take away from what you're capable of with your final storytelling your final technique or whatever so 
Oh, go ahead. It's, no, sir. I, I do think you. Uh, I think it's kind of about audience. Like in my, I I haven't updated my portfolio in like forever it seems. So, uh, but uh, in my in my my older uh, like print portfolio, I had like two pages uh, uh, for this one um, uh, branding project. I, I had like three pages of uh, of just concepts that for this logo. You know, just I wanted to see like, look, this isn't. I just didn't come up on this. This wasn't just. This didn't come from an art director or thing. This is all my exploration. This is how I got that. You know, and that. Um, you know, sometimes they see things that they like better. Like if you just show them what the client shows, sometimes you know, um, which is can be very specific to them. It might not be what they feel is the best solution. So I kind of I, I put stuff that was really rough, and it was pencil sketches, and it was just ideas. And I think you kind of you know, if you're dealing with art directors or creative directors and they're looking at your work, I, I suppose that you know they kind of used to seeing concepts. You know, with editorial, um, I think they are kind of used to seeing like, oh, here's some thumbnails of. Of layout, that, of what directions that we could go in for this um, this this illustration, and and I think that so they're, they're used to seeing visuals or roughs, and uh, but I don't think that, I mean I really admire people who, who share all that 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 stuff, and and um, it, it's it just kind of depends upon. I try and share like a bit of my process, and and I I, I really admire those who who can can do that. It reminds me a bit of I was thinking that you know like. There's someone I, I think culturally there's you know in the the show Girls. Do you ever watch that? No, I wish I did. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Well, it, it is quite good. I do I do enjoy it, um, it for the satire and everything. But so Lena Dunham, I feel she writes this. She like directs herself, but she puts her character in like incredibly unflattering positions almost constantly. It's almost like uh, masochistic. Um, and, and I think that like she does put herself out there for the sake of her art so much that, that maybe that will encourage other people to sort of do the same and put them... I mean, she, she constantly portrays herself in states of failure, I think. So, um, uh, you know, I, I think that maybe, you know, that will have an impact or a resonance with, with creative people and maybe they will try and put themselves out there more. I don't know. Well, here's, a, here's another question that's kind of related to this. So now at this point in your career... Uh, you had mentioned that you're, you know, you're working on storyboards and you're working on like a variety of different projects. When somebody comes to you for work um, and you're having this partnership between like a client and creative relationship, are they coming to you because of your, the way that you think and not just one specific thing that you've done? Like is your reputation at this point uh, about being a creative thinker and kind of a problem solver or is it about being a printmaker or a designer or a, you know what I mean? Um, how does that I, work? I think it depends upon who's, call. I think it's all three in a way. Like um, I, I kind of think that, I would say that 90%, I'd say that people, if people know or heard of me, they've probably seen my illustration work. But 90% of what I do is design focused and and um and i love the illustrations you know it's like kind of my favorite thing to do but like most of the day i'm designing and i'm working with clients and it's about problem solving it's about you know thinking creatively or coming up with creative solutions even some even in my illustration work a lot of times it's just you know they'll send me a brief and i'll send them back some visuals or some roughs and and i'll just add some little details some little things that they didn't think of you know or like little fun things that like this part of my personality I like to put humor uh, in in a lot of my work and and uh, and they'll be like oh that's great you know that's why we came to you because I need you need, we need to take our idea and just make it a little bit better you know so even so I do think it's a little bit about um, about you know my process of my personality maybe or um, my problem solving, you know? Yeah. And then here's another question too. So, um, kind of continuing on this path of being like a lifelong learner or, you know, kind of lifelong experimenter, what, what things are you chasing right now? And what are you really interested in right now? And what things might you see coming down the pike for topics or, you know, process or things like that? Well, I have been in this, this year I've been incredibly busy with uh, with client work so my, my favorite thing to do is personal projects and I, I've really loved uh, being involved with like great art labs uh, stuff and it's really like allowed me to experiment with some stuff you know so like um, I've got I I've been wanting to finish up some animations that I storyboarded out for myself um, they're just kind of fun things some stories um, and I've got two 
board games that I've been working on for a while that just sort of in my downtime I've been I've been working on. Um, and are you doing the development of the game, like the gameplay, as much as the graphics and the design for the, like the oh, pieces? Oh yeah, wow. Yeah, so like the um, the gameplay. I would look at first of all, I got I would probably see so you probably like. Oh, he's really into board games. I'm not. I can't remember the last time I played a board <laughs> game. You know, like um, I think that uh, I'm just interested in board games because I feel like it compasses. I, I've done board games like for. Um, uh, for clients before in fact I'm working on one right now um, and uh, not, I'm not so much involved in the, the gameplay of those but uh, they um, the I'm kind of interested in that too it's like experience design and like I said I have a lot of interest and I think the game the, the board games are kind of encompass like a lot of things I'm interested in like I'd like to do a little instruction manual and make it look really graphically cool and fun and mm-hmm. I'd like to design a box and I'd like to design all these cards and do all the illustrations for it and like uh, and then just think about the gameplay and everything um, and yeah so there's so I've been thinking about this a lot and it is also an excuse to do a lot of fun drawings and to um, I I think I'd like to tell stories too like I, I feel like I have stories ideas for stories inside me and I don't think I have the patience to do a comic you know oh yeah um, and uh, I don't know how a board game is less work but um, I kind of feel like oh I can tell a story and be like kind of interactive I don't have the skills to do like a video game you know and uh the board game seems, I don't know, just board game. I don't know, but... Uh, no, I understand yeah. that completely. I think, you know, uh, Chris is here. He's sort of the silent person on the podcast. But I think uh, it's funny when we kind of initially started some of the interactive projects here, it came from the same sort of interest in exploring. It's not that we knew all the steps that we needed to take, but we probably had a 60 or a 70% idea of what it might take to do something. And of course it changes along the way, but I think it's that, that you feel confident enough to, to start to dive in. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know what, this, this will be fine. You're like, we, we can figure this out and this will be interesting the way that you kind of put the rest of the pieces together. I don't know, Chris, if you have any thoughts on how frustrating or how awesome or what sort of uh, pride or breakthroughs that you had go through there. But I feel like you have a very similar outlook. Board games make sense, I think, if you are you are just trying to flex your design and your ideas and things like that because there's not that technical aspect where you you have to like learn a programming language or anything like that. So it's a natural point if you want to do something interactive and you want to do something that is able to like communicate a story without having to, you know, spend your entire life learning something completely new. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm the type of person who like, I don't want to, I, you know, taught, I'm constantly like trying to learn, you know, CS, CSS3 and like, you know, HTML5 all the time, like always learning like new, you know, I know a little JavaScript. I kind of, I mean, I've got interest in a lot of things, but I also don't want to, I how far deep can you get into stuff until that becomes like the thing that you do? You right. Know? Yeah. And, and so like, I totally, I totally agree. It's like, I would, I would love to do like a, I did do like a flash. I've done a couple of like little flash games, like a long time ago. Um, and I did all the action scripting for it, but I remember thinking on that, Oh, you know, I spent 90% of my time doing the action scripting and only like 10% doing the designing. And I kind of want this to be backwards, you know, like right. I just want to do, the, I mean, it was fun doing, but the, it's not something that I was, I want to do forever, you know, like it's, you, like I, I've indulged that sort of part of me that, um, that enjoyed doing, do, doing the action scripting and now I feel like I can move on to something else. Yeah, I'm just constantly, I don't know, I just, you asking me about that, like reminded me all the things that I want to do this year and how this year is running out of time for me to fulfill <laughs> the things that I want. Like, last year I did, there's this thing, Crafty Wonderland, it's like a little um, uh, uh, group, like, craft fair around Christmas here in Portland, and uh, and I really loved doing that, and I had a bunch, I made a bunch of prints and, and cards and, and things for that, and it was really fun, and I was going to do it this year, but... Um, I know I'm running out of time to like make new stuff for it, and uh, my uh, my wife is pregnant, so we're having a, a, another daughter in 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 the fall, and it's just so much. There's so many personal and like work things coming up that I, this year has been like a wash on indulging my own personal like uh, explorations, and that's kind of why I do this. I like, you know, I, I like to. 
do my own stuff. I feel like the, the clients pay the bills so that I can indulge my own stuff. I bring that stuff back into my client work, but um, but yeah, I, I, I got into this just for the fun, not just really for the money, you know, so, uh, but you know, you got a baby needs new shoes, you got to pay the bills. <laughs> That's true. And then I have a, I have a question and this is sort of, uh, related to sort of these extracurriculars that you do. So, uh, one thing that I'm really impressed by, uh, it's probably been my, my, maybe my third or fourth trip to Portland when I went out there for the icon conference, when Jenny and I got to sit around and chat with you for a while. And I was really impressed by how seemingly tight knit the design and illustration community was. And I don't know if that was just a uh, an illusion from the fact that I was at a conference for this stuff, but um, even just some of the stuff that you're mentioning, like, um, you know, Sketch Exchange or Crafty Wonderland or, you know, some of the other things like that. Um, do you find it pretty easy to connect with other people that are doing things kind of in your same zone uh, there in Portland? Like, is there a pretty, pretty decent community that you can kind of relate to people on an artistic and creative level? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's to the point where I can't do everything. Like I constantly I'm like, oh, that was tonight, and you know, it. There's almost too much to do. Like you could just be a social uh, person here, in, in in you know, if you were a designer and you didn't have any work to do, you could probably just like flit around from like thing to thing in town. Um, there's stuff. I, there's there's whole like sort of sub things that I don't even go to, like, um, that I've never been to. I know the events happening all the time. And, um, uh, I, I don't, I don't think it's clicky either. I think one of the things is that people, um, I don't know, maybe, I don't know exactly why it exists, but I think one of the, the also positive things is you've got uh, PNCA and, uh, and Portland state too, um, which are right in the city, you know, like they're, they're right in the heart of it. Like, um, and, we get uh, Kate Bingham Burt, who um, is one of the, the faculty at PSU. She's done an amazing job of getting um, lots of illustrators and designers for these uh, these talks on Thursdays, and and she also uh, is good at getting regular designers and illustrators from Portland to, to, to come to PSU, and and so I think PSU is a big part of uh, of of sort of meeting place for those people, a sort of uh, a draw that, that, that people can um, connect with there uh, through the portfolio reviews or or either teaching there or just lectures and things that happen. I mean, not just, uh, she gets people not just from Portland, but, but from all over to, to come in um, and, and talk. So, uh, and then there's these creative mornings. we got a creative mornings thing. That's really big. I don't go to those as many as I should. Um, it's... I think it's a great town to live in just because of that. I do think it's pretty tight. Um, there's, and the crazy thing is, as tight as I feel like it is, and as, as many people as I feel like I, I, I know, um, I, I'm constantly meeting people that I've never, I didn't even know they, they were in town. So I don't know, it seems like nirvana for the creative industries. But um, well, it sounds uh, really yeah. nice. I mean, I feel like uh, that's one thing too that. I imagine a lot of people are thinking too, it's like, how do you cultivate a creative community that is that involved? You know, I feel like there are often people that want to be involved with something, but maybe not as many people that want to start something. Um, I don't know if you have any advice for people that are looking to be more involved in things just in their own hometown or their own, you know, their own community. But what do you I, think? I think you got to start. I think you can't wait for someone else to do it. Um, I think you got to be if you want if you want something you got to go get it you know like um, that's been a lot of my life it's like it, you know oh I want to try this I'm just gonna go do it you know like I've done a lot of stuff but it's just because oh I've, I'm interested in that I'm just gonna go do it you know like and, um, and I think that you can't you can't wait for uh, you know uh, someone else to do it if if it's something you want just do it and you, I, the thing is that. Maybe people are intimidated or, or like, oh, people won't be interested or it's that fear of failure, you know, that we mm -hmm. were talking about earlier that like, oh, people aren't going to be interested or like people are going to be busy. But I, can, I guarantee you this, every, I feel like we're so similar to creative people, you know, and like we're all just excited about the same things and to get together and talk about them is, uh, it, it, they're going to feel the same way about it too. They, they're going to be thankful for it. Um, 
it uh, and that's what happened here I think there's just a bunch of people like oh let's just do this thing you know and uh, Design Week Portland that which is now really big it's it's uh, I think they just a bunch of people said hey just let's just do this and and you know the sketch exchange and uh, a lot of these we make stuff it just oh let's just do this um, you know uh, and and it's been incredibly successful and it's been a really great draw to bring people together and you know I've definitely collaborated with people I wouldn't have collaborated with if I hadn't have met them through these social uh, events and it just reminds you oh yeah everyone's out there doing the same thing I guess and uh, it's hard I think that at least for me being a, a person who who you know my client meetings are Skype calls and and uh, you know I'm working with people all over the country and 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 you know, I'm just in my studio. I can feel like I'm kind of chained to my uh, Wacom tablet a lot. And I think getting out there and, and just talking with people, at least for me, you know. And uh, having is, real FaceTime with a real yeah, live person. Yeah, is is great, you know. And, uh, you know, pe- people is just nice in general. I think that um, I was really impressed. And, you know, I would have to say Portland, but, you know, known for having nice people, but... Um, I thought people were exceptionally, you know, people are exceptionally open. I tell my students, my students all think, oh, I can't go talk to that person. Um, they're going to be too, in, they're, they're professional and they're just too intimidating to, to talk to. And, and then I make them come to something and they're just sitting there talking with their, their design or illustration heroes and nobody, there's no ego, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, I, I think that's one of the things that surprised me about the design and maybe I've been spoiled here in Portland I don't know but um, in a lot of my other things I've done in life there's been a lot of ego and this is kind of the first thing I've ever done where I really encountered ego and I like that because I'm not a person who's um, who I'm not an egocentric person by, by nature so um, I, I really kind of like that I think that's really great to hear too I feel like it gives people the just a, another insight into why some of that happens in different communities and I think you know, uh, Portland does have a reputation for having this connectivity between their creative people. And, you know, um, visiting was really nice to see that. And just to kind of juxtapose it with what's happening here in the Twin Cities or in Minneapolis, you know. But I think you're right. And I think it's nice uh, where people can just put themselves out there to either be involved or to start something. Um, well, a couple last things, Rory. Uh, if people want to find you and see what you're up to, where can they find you? Uh, my, my website where I sh- probably haven't updated in a long time um, but uh, uh, it's gogopicnic.com um, like G-O-G-O picnic and uh, and uh, gogo picnic gogo underscore picnic on Twitter um, I like I said I this year has been a I haven't been sharing a lot of stuff because a lot of stuff I've been working on is under NDA but um, it, yeah that's a good way to hook up with me um, I'm kind of a, 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 an observer on Twitter I um I, I sort of like it's a I find I'm not big into social media but Twitter always keeps me motivated like I see all what all, the, all these awesome things people are doing it makes me try and do more awesome things um, but yeah I guess gogopicnic.com is the, the hub for all that I'll try and post more I gotta post more <laughs> you know. that's how I feel all the time too yeah. well I really appreciate the time that you spent with us and this has been really great Rory I, I really appreciate it so thanks again oh cheers alright thanks Big thanks again to Rory Phillips for spending time with us on this week's podcast. Um, and a couple things that you guys should be aware of that are coming up. Uh, this Friday is the opening of the Stax exhibition. And if you haven't heard of it, it is 60 zines done by artists all over the world. Um, we've got some comics. We have some great narratives, a lot of illustration zines. Formats are totally different. Printing techniques are totally different. Really awesome content uh, spanning the years of 1984 through present day um, and all sorts of different retrospectives of what those years were like through the eyes of all these different artists. So uh, if you can join us for the opening, it is from 7 to 10 p.m. on the 1st, which is this Friday. 15 of each zine will be available here. Um, The rest, again, are being divvied up. It's one of our big art swaps. Um, This is the second time we're doing it, and so each artist that's participating gets a full stack of all of the zines in the show. And so that'll be a lot of fun, and those will be shipping out pretty quickly to all the people involved. So thanks again to everybody involved in the Stacks exhibition. We hope you guys can come and see it in person. And one other thing that's coming up, we're actually excited to announce it. If you've been on Twitter, you may have seen like some tiny little blips show up there. But in just a couple weeks, 
We are starting a new program. It's called uh, Light Gray Art Lab Residency. And so this year, we're actually taking 10 creatives to Southern Iceland for a six-night experience. So this is a new program for us. We've been planning it for a really long time. Really excited to announce this as part of our mission at Light Gray, uh, are trying to get people together in person to collaborate, to talk with each other, um, to kind of explore and and really to get kind of the the full experience of working together in a really unique and exciting place. So again, if you want to see who's involved with this one, uh, a lot of great people are coming with, and we, of course, are going to have a great adventure together. So that's just happening here uh, August 13th through the 18th um, in Southern Iceland. So to see more information about that, you can go to the front page of our website, which is lightgrayartlab.com and click on the giant link there to hear more about the residency. And again, um, if you're interested in coming with us for future residencies or to hear more about what that's about, you can send an email to hello at lightgrayartlab.com and I'll send you some information about what that might be like. Yeah. And what that means for the listeners is we will have uh, a lot of content coming to the blog, to the podcast and a bunch of other areas. Um, so stay tuned for that. So you'll be able to hear firsthand interviews with the artists, um, conversations we have, discussions. We'll probably post drawings, photographs, videos, all sorts of stuff. So there'll be a lot of really cool content. A ton of great content. All of this, of course, is culminating in an exhibition that we're planning for next summer as well. So there's going to be a lot of sort of behind the scenes parts of what that was like. And again, um, any more information, if you just want to see some of the the images of where we're going and and kind of what we're doing, you can go to the front page of our website. Um, Right on the front, we have a button that you can click on. and It'll tell you a little bit about who's involved and what we're doing. So what else and where else can people find us, Chris? Well, you can always find all the information about everything from the, the podcast launching to the Iceland residency on our blog, blog.lightgrayartlab.com. If you have any questions or topics you want to hear about on the podcast, write to podcast at lightgrayartlab.com. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at lightgrayartlab, and that's probably the best way to get a, an immediate response in a very short way. Um, you can like us on Facebook and be kept up to date if that's your social media of choice. You can follow us on Tumblr, lightgrayartgallery.tumblr.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, or you can stream it directly on Stitcher Radio. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk with you soon.